0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Compared to all other groups, Native Americans have the lowest participation when it comes to standard relationships with banks. Whatever the reason, banks have their benefits. For one, banks can help borrowers avoid high interest predatory loans. There are also a number of financial services that can help Native people get ahead and make life more convenient. We'll talk about some of them and the ones to avoid coming up right after the news.
1: is national native news i'm antonia gonzalez a killer whale totem pole has made its journey through the pacific northwest to raise awareness of calls to remove dams from the snake river through may it made stops in tribal communities and cities as eric tigadoff reports
2: the spirit of the waters totem pole journey began at the beginning of may in bellingham near the lummi indian reservation where it was carved Since then, it's traveled through Oregon, Idaho, and back to Seattle. Jewel James with the Lemmy Nation's House of Tears Carvers is its head carver. He said the pole is 16 feet long, weighs 3,000 pounds, and sits on two carved 8-foot long salmon.
3: The killer whale that has a uh, baby whale on its nose to reflect Telequa, the whale that lost her uh, calf and carried it around Puget Sound for 17 days and over 1,000 miles, trying to get the message to us, to the human beings, that we are killing them off.
2: James says the journey is supporting the Shoshone-Bannock tribe's call to remove four dams on the lower Snake River in southeast Washington, which are impeding salmon migration. The salmon's population drop in the Columbia River Basin in recent decades also has starved southern resident orcas in Puget Sound. Dam supporters say they are integral for barging and irrigation in the region. But James says there's growing disappointment among tribes and conservation groups with lawmakers in action as salmon near extinction.
3: They're more prone to uh, protect the interest of corporations than they are the general public. And we find that a little frustrating.
2: The journey has brought together tribal members, conservation groups, and the faith community to call for the restoration of the Snake River.
1: That was Eric Tigadoff reporting. The National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition worked with the U.S. Department of the Interior for months in the development of the recently released Federal Indian Boarding School Report to address the troubled legacy of boarding school policies. The report found that from 1819 to 1969, the federal Indian boarding school system consisted of 408 federal schools across the country and identified marked or unmarked burial sites at about 53 different schools. The coalition is calling for more research and expanded work beyond the federal initiative. Coalition board member Joni Romero says it's important to uncover documents and educate the public about Indian boarding schools.
4: Have access to these records to church records to records at the National Archive and um, other locations and also to really understand the intergenerational impacts of trauma that it's had on communities and we've seen these ripple effects carried out through the timeline of federal Indian law and policy and looking at education being one of those long-standing pieces in which Uh, children and families um, and the push for English-only literacy, the push for um, the, the, the Catholic denomination. And now we're in a race with time to save our cultures and languages, to heal our trauma, to raise our families.
1: Romero says it's also part of the healing process.
4: Those who experience trauma while at school and or the loss of their peers and then returning to their communities and trying to reintegrate themselves into um, Pueblo culture or indigenous culture in general, we see those effects today in um, particularly uh, families and at the communal level when we think about nation building, when we think about the opportunities that we have to Um, continue the conversation around how we reclaim our children through education and language.
1: The coalition is seeking the establishment of a commission to help locate records and gather information from former students and descendants. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
5: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Support by Amerind, the 100% tribally owned insurance partner working with tribal governments and enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian country. Info at Amerind.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Access to financial services in some Native communities presents challenges. A remote or rural community might not have a bank, an ATM or adequate internet service. That's an issue especially critical for anyone hoping to participate in the financial technology or what's being called the FinTech revolution. These limitations can also affect local economies. However, there are tribes and native organizations working to remedy these challenges to help foster financial strength and independence within our communities. Today on the show, we have three experts who will help break down some issues and solutions that might help folks make better informed financial decisions regarding services and products. Access to revolving credit, affordable loans, and other financial services can help create financial stability. And we also wanna hear from you. Are you a small business owner who wants to learn more about FinTech? Are you a young person trying to navigate the often confusing world of credit? Are you a parent interested in raising a financially independent child? Join the conversation with your questions or comments. Call us at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. First up on our show today is Christy Finsel. She's speaking with us from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where she is the executive director of the Oklahoma Native Assets Coalition. She is an enrolled citizen of the Osage Nation. Christy, great to have you on the show.
6: Thank you, I'm happy to be here with you.
0: Christy, banks are such integral businesses in so many communities, large communities, small ones. Why don't we see more banks in native communities?
6: In, there's probably a number of reasons why, uh, but um, you know, some may be that there is just um, you know, in terms of what they think would be a market where they would have enough business to be able to, you know, have a financial institution in a rural area. Maybe, you know, they've just not chosen to have, you know, an outside non native bank has, has chosen not to to have you know, a brick and mortar near a reservation. Um, We definitely see that there are banking deserts in Indian country. And uh, I think that there are tribally owned banks and that's, um, you know, been a work in progress. And there's, you know, a lot of potential for more um, activity in that area. So that kind of helps fill in some of the gaps. We have native community development, financial institutions, um, doing their work as well. And so it kind of takes this whole approach to address the fact that, you know, there are tribal citizens that have to travel four times as long to access an ATM. And, um, and that has been a problem. And so trying to think about how we can help tribal citizens have more access to safe and affordable accounts.
0: Four hours to access an ATM. Wow. Wow. And financial services, I mean, it's a lot more than just ATMs, checking and savings accounts, right? I mean, what are some other benefits for a person who has access to these types of services and products?
6: Yes. So um, there are some financial institutions that offer credit building loans, for example. So these would be loans that would help an individual to be able to, you know, build or repair credit. So those are really nice products. Also, you know, financial institutions can help you to have a loan to purchase a vehicle and a home, um, secured credit cards. You know, it's a way to be able to transfer funds securely back and forth to family or business partners, um, customers, et cetera. There's online bill pay. And then, you know, during the pandemic uh, for small businesses, they needed to have a banking relationship um, to be able to especially be able to um, participate in and get a PPP loan so that they could have some assistance there and um, there were um, resources available through native CDfis uh, so you know how do we make sure that everyone has options to be able to to access these needed services?
0: Well, you mentioned the PPP loan the paytech excuse me the paycheck protection program as, as part of the pandemic relief assistance that was available and I know That was available to to not only small business owners, but also self-employed people, gig workers, of which we're seeing a lot more in our Native communities. Uh, You know, you hear about some people just being kind of hesitant to open a bank account and having a checking account, things like that. Why is that? Why would somebody be kind of resistant to that in your mind?
6: Yes, and probably multiple reasons. Uh, In Native communities, historically. Not all Native families were treated well when they tried to access banking services. And the harm from that kind of break in relationship there or um, kind of poor banking uh, experience, I think, sometimes has been passed down intergenerationally. Also, you know, we see in our work as a nonprofit that there are. A number of tribal citizens that maybe did have a bank account at one point, but didn't always know how to manage that at first, and you know still could use some assistance to figure out how to have a positive banking relationship um, and you know I think during the depression, there was concern of, about um, people not being able to really get to their money when they needed it right and so um, but the f d i c the you know, they've over the years been able to make sure that your funds are secure if you are banking um, in an FDIC insured account. So, you know, that has alleviated concern for a number of individuals. Um, but, yeah, I think there's just probably a number of reasons why people maybe aren't as comfortable. I think some think that it's got some kind of federal association within, so they just want to steer clear. Um, they'd rather keep their money under their mattresses or bury it in the backyard. Um, but, uh, you know, so everyone's got their reasons why, or why not, you know, that they are connected or not as connected to banking services.
0: Well, you mentioned the depression and I think in some of our communities, we still have elders that remember that time when there were those bank runs and banks just didn't yeah. have enough money to, to handle all of those withdrawals. And then one thing that I find really challenging about having a bank account now is there's just so many fees and different types of policies. I look at my own bank account statements, and and there's just a lot of, it's it's a lot more complicated, it seems like, than it used to be like when I was younger, like with regard to the policies and things like that. And do you think that can sometimes confuse consumers?
6: Yes, or it might intimidate or just, you know, maybe make people not feel as comfortable. Um, The Oklahoma Native Assets Coalition has been trying to think about, you know, what are some ways that we can help? tribal citizens feel more comfortable with getting banked. And so we recently have started this Get Banked Indian Country initiative where we're trying to get the word out about safe and affordable bank accounts. And there are these bank accounts that are nationally certified and they're called Bank On Counts. And they are available in every state. And they have very low fees and transparent fees. So nothing's hidden there and we like that. <laughs> and so we've been trying to promote that if someone is not banked and they are interested in, in trying to be so that perhaps they could look at these bank on accounts. So the nice thing about it is, you know, you can open the account depending on the financial institution with $0 to a maximum, a maximum of $25 as an opening deposit. So the barrier to entry to getting an account is not so high. Um, And you can get free direct deposit and bill pay services and a checking or checklist account. So there's no fee debit or, um, or or they have these uh, kind of prepaid cards. So we're just trying to think about how do we address these fees? How do we try to make them transparent and simple as possible? And so one way is to try to promote these bank on certified accounts.
0: Well, that sounds like a really exciting solution. And, what about if I'm a Native person and I live in a community where there is no local bank branch, there's no bricks-and-mortar bank that I can go to? Am I still eligible, or is there still a way for me to get into this Get Bank program and open one of these Bank On accounts?
6: There is. So, you know, our website, um, oknativeassets.org, has information um, under the Our Work section uh, about banking access and Bank On, and there is a national map, um, joinbankon.org slash accounts, where you can see a map nationally and kind of click on the state, and then it lists what financial institutions offer these. And then you could see if you might be able to open an account with them online if you have the capability to do so. Or there might okay. be one that's closer to your home than you think.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. We,
6: there also um, our native-owned banks that we are trying to um, kind of work with to see if they will get certified. One has so far, All Nations Bank, run by Absentee Shawnee, out of Shawnee, Oklahoma. Um, and then we're working to try to see if there's several others that have a national presence where you could also have a bank on account through them. So we're, it's a work in progress, but um, we are excited about it.
0: Yeah, it does sound really exciting, and especially considering that you have native native-owned banking partners as well in this initiative. Christy, I think another issue or challenge that kind of turns people off with banks right now is interest rates. They have been so low for so long. And I know at one point my bank was paying well under one percent point one percent interest on on my savings account and I didn't pay a whole lot of attention until I read somewhere that if you have an interest rate of point one five percent which is a lot of banks what they've been paying over the years it takes like 500 years (laughs) to double your money with a rate that low so what do you tell people who just say hey uh, I don't just I just don't think having a savings account is worth it I might as well just hide my money in a coffee can like you said
6: yes you know I think Obviously, the interest rates are low, and, and I mean, the the point I think that we try to p- promote is that there are costs that are incurred if you are not having bank accounts. Um, you know, there are fees that can be associated, yes, also with having a bank account, but sometimes you will be paying more to not have one, and definitely there's the hassle of <laughs> um, not having a bank account, and for example, receiving a paper check in the mail. And then, you know, we have situations where we hear all the time where people have to go to multiple places trying to get this paper check cash because they don't have a bank account.
0: The right, hassle right. and the stress Chris associated. I'm sorry, we're going to have to take a break here, but I'll let you finish your thoughts when we come back from break. You're listening to New Calling. We'll be right back. After years of work and collaboration, the citizens of one reservation town on the eastern edge of the Navajo Nation galvanized a network of community trails. The trails have ancient ties and a collaborative effort mapped and measured them. We'll learn about the Keh Community Trails Project on the next Native America Calling.
5: Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about accessing financial services today. Are you confused with some of the financial technology out there? Are you working to help strengthen your tribal community? Tell us about it. Call us at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Before we went to break, we were talking with Christy Finsel of the Oklahoma Native Assets Coalition. And Christy, you were explaining that there's a lot more to having a bank account than just getting an interest rate on your deposits, right? There's other benefits and advantages too. So please go ahead and continue what you were saying.
6: Yes. So we I was just mentioning that there are time costs associated with not uh, being banked and that, you know, it can be difficult to try to get a paper check cash sometimes when you're having to go to multiple places, trying to see if they'll accept it. If you just had a bank account, you would be able to deposit the check either, you know, through the teller um, at the bank, at the bank branch or through the ATM or with your phone, if, if you have that capability. So it just, um, is a time saver. Also, you know, we have been promoting these bank on accounts, and those have a maximum cost of $60 a year in service fees. And, um, you know, for those that are using prepaid cards, um, you know, your fees with direct deposit can be on average, let's say $196.50 a year. Um, But that cost jumps up to almost $500 a year if the prepaid card has no direct deposit. So there's just these extra costs, um, extra fees associated with, um, you know, using alternative financial services, and there are many reasons why people feel more comfortable sometimes using those, but just please know that those costs exist, and um, you could have a bank-on certified account that only costs you $60 a year.
0: Okay, and going back to those low interest rates that we were talking about earlier where it takes five hundred years to double your money, I guess maybe we could just think of that as like a college fund for our great 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 grandchildren we could maybe call it Christy like the seventh generation college fund what do you think about that Absolutely,
6: yes <laughs> it's just uh you know there's it, it, it you know the cost that you would save um by not having all these extra fees you know it 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 would put you in a better position even though the interest rates can be so very low. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, joining us now from Lame Deer, Montana is Sharon Small. She is the executive director of the People's Partner for Community Development. She is Northern Cheyenne. Sharon, welcome. Thanks for being on the show today.
7: Hey, Sean. Thank you. Hi, hey, everyone. Great
0: to Hi, Sharon. It's great to hear your voice. Sharon, why is it important to have native led financial service providers in our communities?
7: Sure, so I think all of our native communities are different in a certain aspect. Um, However, on the other hand, we're very much alike. So I know for people's partners for community development, we really focus on our target market, which is the Northern Cheyenne Reservation and and 25 miles of the surrounding area. Um, We're very, very rural and remote. So we try to figure out what is going to work financially for our people in our area I feel that um, trying to create that system will also help other systems um, on other reservations in rural and remote areas. Um, so that's something that we've been working diligently on for the last five years. Um, one of the big things that we have completed was doing a, um, a leakage report to identify where our money goes um, so $0.72 cents of every dollar of our dollar, people's dollar, leaves the reservation. So that goes either to Billings, which is 100 miles away, or Sheridan, which is 80 miles away, um, because there's no other financial support or economy for, for that money. But it was, it was a great report and study that was completed. We are able to identify and, and put a practice in place to help our people.
0: So that's really alarming. 72 cents out of every dollar being funneled out of the community to these financial service providers outside of, of your tribal lands. Well, well, Sharon, tell us more about People's Partner for Community Development. What kinds of financial services do you folks offer?
7: Sure. So PPCD um, is a native CDFI. So we provide lots and lots of technical support. I'm PPCD is involved with a regional coalition, and and it's interesting because I I really got to see how much technical assistance we provide our people. Um, So we provide credit builder loans, credit repair loans. So the credit builder loans, of course, help people build their credit um, or establish credit. So many of our people don't have any credit. We have over 920 people currently that are involved in our, it's kind of like a money service business. It's been an effect for that we own. Um, we bought it from a guy from an old postmaster who put it in place it's called Courtesy Cash over 60 years ago when there was no financial institution at all on the reservation and people didn't have access to a savings or to put their money um, in a bank. So they would go to the post office and they would put their money and envelopes and they would have the postmaster save their money for them um and they would use that money to buy groceries or um whatever it was that they needed and eventually their money just started building and as time went on he opened up the grocery store and curtis implemented courtesy cash in there which is not it's not insured and it's still not insured um this is generational Families that come in and trusted the system, and it's worked for them. They come in and they pay their bills. They put their money in savings. They cash their checks. They do whatever it is that they need to do um, for them. And then, well, sure, go ahead.
0: Well, no, you go ahead. You're, you're. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thoughts, Sharon.
7: Well, I kind of got off track. I because there's so, so much I wanted to cover. Um, <laughs> okay. As far well, let, as let what me TV let me ask
0: Okay, well, let me ask you another quick, because this Courtesy Cash, this, this is a really interesting business that you folks have. And and again, you mentioned that it's it's based on this old community business that's been there for many years, and, and people trust it in the community. And it's not FDIC insured, so it's not like a regular bank, but it offers many of the same services. And what I find really intriguing is that I know there in Lame Deer, there's a branch of a pretty large regional bank located right there in town, but a lot of your community members prefer courtesy cash as opposed to going to that, to that actually FDIC insured bank. Why do you think that is?
7: I think it's, um, I really believe that it's trust and just the, the comfortableness of being able to walk into courtesy cash without being judged or without, you don't have to have a hundred dollars to open an account. You don't even have to have, I mean a dollar you come into courtesy cash you want to put a buck into your savings we don't charge you anything it's just very um genuine and you know you want your money we're there to give you your money you want to put money in there we're there to provide you with technical assistance so i think it's just that um comfortableness of not the traditional banking system Um, we have family members that come in from grandkids to grandparents to aunts to uncles um, there's not really an age limit, I guess. Um, and and we, we help everyone, all of our people. Yeah, it sounds like that
0: convenience is a, a really big factor that folks choose to do business there at Courtesy Cash. And Sharon, that bank branch that I mentioned there in Lame Deer, um, do you see that as a, as a competitor? Or, or do you think that folks there in Northern Cheyenne benefit from having multiple options for financial services?
7: Sure. Um I you know, Sean, it did at one time when First Interstate Bank was very opened um years ago, it was a family run bank and it and it did help a lot of people in our community. Um, agriculture was a big component. Agriculture was one of our biggest economy impacts on the Northern China Reservation. So they were able to go in there and get their operating loans and and then a lot of our our general population that had jobs was able to go in there and get a thousand dollar loan to fix their car or to whatever it is, get some furniture, whatever it was that they needed. Well, now First Interstate Bank, and it took a lot of years to get First Interstate Bank to the reservation, but now they moved up to another tier of banking. And so, I mean, even PPCD, it was difficult for us to get a bank account with them. We now have to travel 48 miles to, to deposit our money um, into some of our accounts for our businesses. So we're back to that same problem again, and we are actually in the process of opening our own credit union. It was like, okay, this is enough. Our people can no longer go to First Interstate Banks. They can no longer, because they moved into another tier of banking, they they're like a Wells Fargo, or you know, it, it's not on a face-to-face basis anymore, or it's okay. not...
0: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm interested because you say it, that even for y- your bit, you you have a nonprofit, and you have a you've been around a number of years, people's partner for community development. So, why was it difficult for even a business like yours to not get an account at that local bank? That's interesting.
7: Yeah, it was really interesting. So when we purchased courtesy cash um, from Mr. Mullins, Mr. Mullins had all his accounts set up at First Interstate Bank, and First Interstate Bank actually approached us and said why can why can't these people come across the street to our bank and it's like hey we we can help you help them become bankable but we need some dollars and we need some accounts well it was kind of like they they were they pick and chose what they wanted to help us with um opening an account for us was not an option because of competition i truly believe in my heart is because of competition um so that left us with going to to another bank but they did help us with some lending capital to help our people become bankable to get their credit score up to a 620 or higher that was at the time now it's even i think it's 700 now so that's when we just drew the line and we're like we got to figure out something that's going to work for our people we're back okay. to yeah
0: So I'm really transfixed by this. And um, so in many ways, courtesy cash is serving kind of as like an intermediary between the community and between this local branch that just doesn't really quite meet the needs that the community has. But um, it, it. you know the trade-off is is that your customers there at courtesy cash they don't have the FDIC insurance in the event of of a, a problem with the bank or something like that it's not regulated the same way so are your are your customers aware that there are some risks associated with that and also do you think uh, well just go ahead I'm I'm just curious just off the bat do you think our are, are customers are aware of it that it's a different relationship there's different they don't have some of the same protections that they would if they had their money across the street at that bank.
7: Yeah, I think a big one, Sean, is um, our customers, our people. They just want access to their money. Like they don't want no questions asked. They want to come in mm-hmm. if they want, you know. So a lot of our people will save up for um, for ceremony, and so they'll put their money into savings. And and then I think what was happening too to a lot from what I have taken in was some of our people's money was getting moved. You know. Um, like they would have loans, and so they would get paid, and the and some of the money. This was seven, eight years ago. That money would get moved into accounts to make payments, and it was it was untrustworthy, I guess, um, okay, to a certain really- point.
0: Yeah. And that's really unfortunate to you. Now, granted, it does not sound like it was a number of years ago, so hopefully that's no longer the case. But Sharon, what about other tribal communities and even somebody listening to the show today and thinking, well, that sounds like a really interesting solution to what you folks are doing there in northern Cheyenne with regard to this courtesy cash and this business that's really uh, local friendly and is kind of a way to just make things kind of streamline the whole, uh, financial services relationship. Have you had other tribes express interest in doing something similar in their communities?
7: Um, actually the Blackfeet tribe did open up something similar to, um, courtesy cash. Um, so they have been open now for, I think two years. Um, so in, in like, I really identified like three different types of people in our community. Um, as far as money goes, you know, we have the people that they don't, I mean, I would love for everybody to be able to, you know, have great credit scores and be able to save for homes or vehicle or retirement whatever it is, but not, that's not everybody's cup of tea. So we have to be able to provide those products and services overall to fit all our people's needs. So they're not going to lending services off the reservation and, and, you know, really getting in a hole Um, because I really believe in the meantime, we could be helping these people with technical assistance as time goes on. So you have people that come in that don't ever want to save money. They want to come in and cash their checks and go get their groceries and, and be good. And then you have people that come in and they'll put their money into savings and they'll have money till the next pay period. And, they pay their money. They pay their bills with money orders still, or through Western Union, um, or their their credit card. I mean, there there there's that group of people, and then there's the group of people that are entrepreneurs. They want to come in and they want to start a business, and they're putting money away to start their business for capital. They they're saving money for a home. They're working really diligently on their credit scores. So it's just fitting making sure our products and services fit the needs for our people. You never know when they're gonna change.
0: Right, right. And Earlier on the show we talked a little bit about financial technology and now people are using mobile banking apps and, and, and people, you know, you can deposit a check with your phone and you can check balances, you can transfer phones. But what I'm hearing here up there in your community is there is a need, a really strong need and a desire for Kind of less less uh, technologically sophisticated financial services, from what you're describing, with people using money orders still and and paying bills like that. So um, we we'll hear about this fintech revolution. Is that something you think your customers are interested in as well going forward?
7: Well, we are in the process. In fact, we're just submitting our last our another package this week. I think we're at the end of opening up our own credit union. So. We're hoping, you know, it's going to be all our same staff, kind of the same environment that we could kind of move some of our clients over to that, depending on if, you know, they want to or not, letting them know that their money will be insured, um, that they will have access to their account. And so just building that trust and and educating them on the credit union standards, I guess. I, I I really think that so many of our people benefit from it. The low income credit union set up and I I truly believe that it will make a huge difference in our community and our people are going to own it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and Sharon you mentioned trust and and Christy Finsel as well stressed that issue trust is is so important in our native communities with any kind of relationship but especially when we're talking about financial services and and money. Uh, I think that trust relationship is just so critical. And then, of course, you mentioned the education piece and just making sure people understand how these accounts work and, and how financial services work and how what they need to do to manage their accounts well and It sounds like a really interesting, interesting solution that you folks have come up with there at People's Partner for Community Development. So anybody listening with a question regarding financial services, uh, if you like banks, if you like credit unions, we want to hear why. 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call, and we'll be back right after this break.
5: Support by the American Indian College Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. Scholarship applications are now open for the upcoming school year at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We're talking about the world of personal finance today. And there's still time if you have a question or comment, we're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And let's go to the phones now. We have Ken listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ken, thanks for calling the show today.
3: Hi, thank you very much. Uh, Very exciting show today for me. Uh, I work at a credit union here in Albuquerque and we serve um, the whole state of New Mexico, including a great deal of the native population. Um, And the previous, uh, the speaker, you know, just a while ago was talking about getting ready to open a credit union. I think that's a vital resource for, for the native American community. One thing about the credit unions is they are member owned. So, the uh, the Native American community, hoping that the members actually own that and have a say in that. And <clears throat> additionally, within the credit union um, movement itself, there are other resources such as forming a co- with maybe a more established credit union uh, or a uh, better financed credit union or better positioned in some way that would allow for things such as uh, some of the fintech options. Um, for the members to be able to get uh, more accessible banking options and, and certainly the lending uh, opportunities that are there. The, we're, we're working hard to eliminate things like overdraft fees um, <clears throat> and other types mm-hmm. of uh, kind of uh, uh, punities type of uh, income that we have and, and making it more about the about the members and the resources for them. Uh, we also do... Financial literacy, uh, free to the members, and um, things that would help them uh, build their credit, uh, acquire uh, you know additional credit sources, and uh, you know just a lot of different resources that are there. So, getting the Native Americans also uh, <clears throat> involved, say, in forming boards and and developing board members for. Other credit unions that maybe are not necessarily uh, completely okay, purely Native American, but uh, you know, being part of that leadership.
0: Sure, Ken. Thanks for calling in to the show today and and sharing that information. And I, I would like to ask uh, Christy. Ken mentioned the mobile banking, and we talked earlier about being able to use a smartphone, but that technology does come with risks though, right? And Christy, can you offer any advice for how folks can protect themselves when using mobile banking and these other types of fintech apps and such?
6: Yes, you know, for those that do have the capability uh, with a smartphone, for example, to be able to do online banking, you know, you would just um, make sure that you're, you know, having some privacy maybe around when you're using some of your banking services, uh, depositing checks and things like that online and um, being able to check your bank account online and make sure that, um, you know, the the deposits are being, uh, you know, deposited into the account and making sure that um, there's not uh, weird fees associated or other things that you weren't expecting. So just kind of due diligence and practice um, in terms of checking your bank statements and and then occasionally looking at your credit report just to make sure everything's fine there. Um, you know, Really what we are trying to promote is that FinTech is a fabulous option for those that have the technology for the broadband access and the smartphones and other devices to be able to use it. But um, as Sharon mentioned, we still have to have options for in-person banking especially in Indian country where we have so many people that do not have proper broadband access. Um, And so we also have to have manual workarounds from the nonprofit end if we're trying to do, you know, collect information to be able to to put out emergency cash assistance or other things like that where we're taking some banking information. So just, um, you know, it's kind of all together. And and it's not that FinTech is going to be, I think the, the, you know, cure-all for all of these issues. Um, but at the same time, we want to be able to try to have that technology available if people are interested.
0: Sure. And, and Christy, speaking with you today and Sharon, and I think there's are these broader conversations that we're hearing nationwide that we're getting to this point where we really don't need actual bricks and mortar bank branches and people can do everything online. But what's coming through loud and clear today is that in our Native communities, uh, that's not the case, and we still very much need those physical financial service locations, we need those personal relationships with the folks that we're working with, with regard to our financial transactions. So again, just a really, really interesting discussion today. And let's bring another guest into the conversation now. He's joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Gary Garvin is a financial representative. He is Ho-Chunk. Gary, welcome to Native America Calling.
8: Hey, good morning, Sean. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely, Gary. And I know that financial planning is a big part of your job. What all does that entail?
8: Yeah, so I guess I'm with a ME catalyst and uh the firm specializes in insurance strategies, investment strategies, you know, retirement income planning, uh college fund strategies. Maybe if someone's into charitable giving, uh that. Um, it's it's a real comprehensive financial planning firm. And so just let me take a couple of minutes and I can explain a little bit about what we do and how we do it. <clears throat> typically, do. Uh, yeah, typically how it works for us is our team gets hired to be a, a CFO or a PFO type of person for a client and or their business if they own a business. So PFO, that would be a personal finance officer. And what we're going to do is walk in partnership with that particular person to help them make all their ongoing decisions. And it's built around the uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus year relationship. So ideally we want to work together forever because that's where we can build scale and synergy and, you know, trust um, when we're helping to make decisions. <clears throat> and most of the people that we work with, they're pretty smart people and they're, you know, they're diligent. They do a good job saving. Uh, sometimes they need help with the financial piece, but they've got pretty good habits built out and it's not necessarily that they need us. Uh, They're typically going to do a good job and have enough things and accomplish a lot of their goals. Uh, But what they typically hire us for is two main reasons. One, you know, they want to spend their time doing what they're good at and where they want to spend it. That could be their job, their business, their family, uh, whatever. And they want to be able to spend their time doing those things. And they want to be able to delegate all the financial, insurance, investment, tax, and all that stuff to to somebody else and so we're a good fit for that uh because people are able to you know buy their time back through us and then you know maybe the second is uh even if things maybe may end up in a great spot they're interested in optimizing everything so everything they have uh i guess
0: okay Gary, are you there? Yeah,
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Gary. I,
0: I, okay, I, I want to ask you a question because we've just taken a big leap. Because earlier in the show, we were talking about you know basic bank accounts and and some lending services and things like that. And now financial planning. You're talking about providing investing services, insurance, taxes. And I'm interested to know: Do you think every native person needs uh, somebody? a financial professional, a representative like yourself who can provide these types of financial planning services?
8: Um, I think education is a really big component. Um, If a lot of people are able to educate themselves about, you know, how to invest money or, you know, what a Roth IRA is or, uh, you know, how to invest into an ETF and then also education about different platforms that are out there. Um, And I guess, if if I were to be hired for a client, that stuff would typically be my job. And my job would be to educate my client about uh, whatever's out there and I'd act in their best interest and go ahead and provide them the tools and hopefully educate them if they want to, they want to be educated about uh, the industry. Um, but I guess, you know, most people, right. Oh, everybody, they do their taxes. Um, but I think a lot of people don't realize is, you know, most, most people do need a, a financial advisor or someone to work with them um, and walk them hand-in-hand hand down their their, uh, their road to reach their financial goals.
0: Yeah, and also, we all know that there's more money coming into our Native communities than in years past, and, and some of it has to do with... Uh, successful career choices, some of it has to do with per capita from gaming revenues and other sources. So I I know that there is definitely a need for more complex uh, financial planning and those types of strategies. So it sounds like you are positioning yourself into that niche. And Gary, what do you think that you're able to offer your native clients that a a non-native financial representative wouldn't be able to?
8: Yeah, so I I guess... You know, I grew up in the whole chunk community. I grew up in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, Um, and our tribe, we have uh, a number of different casinos and we're fortunate enough to be able to have built up uh, a tribal government and all kinds of different branches and arms from that government. And we're able to use that revenue from the casino to, you know, have housing or tribal aging units, elderly care units, And we're able to provide services for that. Um, But more recently, within the last few decades, uh, our tribal members, by the time, you know, when they're 18 and they graduate, they get uh, pretty substantial uh, trust stipend or um, 18 money or per cap payment. And I guess, you know, at the end of the day, what I want to do is, just be able to help tribal members, help native communities, uh, specifically, you know, the, well, I guess I want to reach out to a lot of the whole chunk kids, um, because you know, they're, they're, uh, not just a client to me, you know, they're more than likely related to me and, you know, they're more than likely my cousin, my nephew, my niece or whoever. And, something that you know an outsider from the community won't be able to recognize is uh you know it's hard to build that trust uh it, it might take someone outside the community you know a decade or so to be able to work with individuals from our uh our native community just because there's not not a whole lot of trust there where in my case you know i, I grew up uh, with strong cultural ties and strong ties to my identity and a lot of times, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm related to uh, individuals that I want to work with.
0: Yeah, and you and, mentioned trust, and I, I think that's so important uh, with a per cap tribe because you know we hear this, the horror stories about per cap tribes being targeted by unscrupulous financial people or bad actors looking to take advantage. So I would think a, a community such as yours would be on really high alert with regard to to those types of risks, and and you being a, a tribal member such as yourself would, would really be able to offer that credibility that folks are looking for. Gary, what inspired you to, to pursue a career as a financial representative?
8: You know, I, I really wanted to give back to my tribe and I kind of took a look at the different needs um, that, that we have and one of them was, you know, I wanted to help revitalize and uh, assist with our our language department um you know we we we're losing a lot in terms of language and for a really long time I thought that's the route that I was going to go you know I go into college and I get a linguist degree and I come back home and I'd help uh you know with with different projects and try and uh, preserve it as much as I can and just learn it as much as I can Uh, but then by the time I got into college, it was a little bit different uh, and I kind of, you know, took a, another deep breath and looked around and I, I realized that, you know, I can still help my tribe and help Native people, but there's a huge need for financial services and financial education, you know, whether our tribes are, um, you know, getting per cap or or not. Either way, uh, our Native people need uh, financial education. And at the end of the day, my vision is to bring a cultural change to our Native communities through maliciously attacking this poverty mindset that has been deeply ingrained into us through atrocities inflicted by the ta- the powers that attempted to wipe us out. You know, this, this historical trauma that we deal with, it cuts deep and has left a lot of scars in us that aren't pretty. Um, and, you know, a lot of people in this industry, they... They talk about, uh, you know, how business is just business, you know, and to me it's not. You know, business is personal Um, Mm. just because I want to be able to give back and, you know, I want to be able to help the best I can.
0: Gary, where can a person go to find a a financial representative? Do you recommend people look online or or maybe Ask for a personal reference, what's the best way for somebody listening on the show to think, Wow, this sounds really interesting maybe I could maybe I have a need for a financial representative where Where do they go what's the first step
8: um I mean a quick Google search could take you to a, a whole list of places uh i I like referrals um, but wherever you go, you want to be be able to make sure you're asking them the right questions just because sometimes this industry can get a little uh mucky and you know, you want to be able to understand how your relationship with that uh, financial advisor, wealth management uh, person is going to work. And so a good a good way to do that is just, you know, ask ask questions, ask them, uh, you know, so what is it that you really do? Uh, you know, how are you getting paid? Uh, how is my money being handled? Um, and then, you know, maybe if you really want to, you can go ahead and look up their, their certifications and their licenses. And I just think that's really important. And then, okay, and, you know, it, it
0: yeah, go I just ahead, want to sorry. share. So there, there is a, there is actually a website online. Uh, the, the, Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA. They have on their website something called Broker Check, and it's a tool that folks can use to go and research and, and, and check on a financial representative to make sure that they haven't had any infractions or anything like that. So I just want to go ahead and make sure that that's clear. And unfortunately, we are just about out of time. So I, I want to thank our guests, Christy Finsel, Sharon Small, and Gary Garvin for bringing us up to speed on access to financial services in native communities. Lots to learn, but we've had some great guests who are definitely able to provide some really, really up-to-date, timely information. Join us again tomorrow as we take a look at a collaboration between a tribal youth group and the National Park Service to create a network of community trails. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thank
5: you for listening. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. That's a m e r i n d.com.
4: First baby, don't know where to start? CMS program coverage prenatal service. Enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service.